Welcome to Elevate Your Direct Sales Business with Kelly Northcott. I'm your host, Kelly Northcott, and I'm so glad that you're here. I've been in the direct sales industry for over 20 years. When I was in the field, I was a top performer and leader, and now I have a growing coaching business that helps direct sellers of all titles from all companies build businesses that they love. If you're a direct seller who wants to get more out of her business and have fun doing it, you're in the right place. Tune in each week to learn systems so that you can scale and grow, implement mindset principles and practices to get out of your own way, and get coaching to break through to new levels of your business. A lot of uplines and leaders aren't sure how to best serve their teams at conference, and sometimes they go overboard because they're so worried that their team won't have an amazing experience. And if this is something you're worried about, don't. Trust that your company is going to put on an amazing event and that your team is going to get out of it what they need. This episode is going to help you balance your time at conference with your teams, and it's going to help you know how to serve them without micromanaging them. Now, conference is the biggest single expense that the average direct seller makes in a year, and most first-time conference goers have to go through a decision process for themselves and then sell the idea to their spouses. So talk about conference often and treat it like it's a business essential, just like having a website or a phone or social media. Start including the conference dates in your welcome email and on your welcome call with your new consultants so that they know about it. When I was in the field, I talked about conference all the time. I would sprinkle it into my team meetings and my team communication all throughout the year. And as soon as the dates were announced, I'd tell my team to mark their calendars, even if they didn't know if they were going to go or not. Because marking your calendar is one of the first steps to going, and I wanted them to take that step. Plus, it started a thought process for them. I also encouraged my team members to talk to their families long before registration opened. Some spouses need time to process it, and if consultants wait until the day registration opens to start the conversation, registration might be closed by the time the spouses sign off on it. Now, when team members register for conference, celebrate them. You can give them a shout out on your team page or send them a note. Put together a Facebook group so registries can share tips and ideas about travel, lodging, and activities. And you could even set this up with other leaders that you like to work with so that your teams can start to get to know each other. This group is also a great place for attendees to share the three questions that they want to get answered at conference. And I did a separate episode about this, and I would really encourage your teams to listen to that episode so that they can formulate their own questions. Now, a week or so before conference, start a group text with all the in-person attendees, and then you can use this as a way to talk about things like where you're going to meet in the morning or make quick announcements about any kind of change in plans. You want to keep this separate from other group chats so that the announcements don't get buried or lost. So this particular text thread isn't going to be really chatty. It's just going to be quick updates. When you book your hotel, tell your team where you're staying, and if that works for them, great, you guys can all stay at the same hotel. I'm not a fan of rooming with your team. When you're a leader of a large team, it's going to be important for you to have some downtime, and you're not going to get that if you're rooming with your team. Now, when you have one or two people or even five or six people going to conference, it might not seem like a big deal to book adjoining rooms and have everyone stay together. It might even seem like fun and a good team bonding opportunity, and it could be a really great experience for everyone that year. However, it's really easy to fall into routines and create traditions, and it's hard and sometimes painful to change them. So next year, when a new first-time conference attendee registers, and she goes to conference, 
You don't want her to feel like she's left out because she's not part of the original gang. And you don't want the OGs to assume that they're always going to be able to room with you. So find sidelines or peers to room with and encourage your team to do the same. You're not conveying that you're better than they are. You're modeling boundaries for them and encouraging them to grow and meet new people, which they won't do if they feel like they have to hang out with you all the time. Now, if you're in this routine and you want to stop it and you want to find new roommates for this year, go ahead and blame me. Just tell your team that you started listening to a coach who says that this is a good idea for you and for them, and then start looking for new roommates. If you already committed to rooming with your team, then go ahead and follow through with it for this year, but then tell them things are going to be different next year. And it's a good idea to tell them this this while they're at conference or before you guys go to conference so that they can start looking for new roommates and new housing situations while they're there. Now, if you have roommates, set up boundaries for your room. I liked having my team and my roommate's team not hanging out in our room. I liked coming back after a really long day to a peaceful, quiet room where I didn't have to be on. I didn't have to worry about my roommate was entertaining her team. And so that was the rule that we had set up. Our room was off limits to our team. And we just kind of kept that to ourselves. Now, if I had team members who who roomed together and they were open to it, Sometimes we would use their room as a home base, or sometimes we would gather in the corner of the lobby or the corner of the conference room. Now, if you want to use your room as a home base for your team, have at it, but I would still set some boundaries. So maybe have a curfew or something like that so that it's just really clean and easy at the end of the night when you're ready to go to bed and you don't have to have that awkward conversation about kicking someone out. So one of the best things that my upline did for her team was to create a meetup schedule for us at conference. So she would let us know where she'd be all throughout conference. So she might say she'll be at the bottom of the escalator from 8.15 to 8.30. And so if we wanted to sit with her for a main session, that's where we'd find her. And if we didn't come, then she was totally okay with that too. So she did this for some lunches and for some evenings too. And I thought this was a great way to serve us without smothering us. And it gave us a home base, but allowed us to be independent and it gave her space. So when I was a leader, I did the same thing. And some of my meetups coincided with hers so that my team could get some time with her if they wanted it. And some of my meetups were separate from hers so that they were more intimate. A lot of your time at conference will be spent with your team, but you're still going to want to have some time to hang out with your friends. So most conferences have a leadership session and a leadership dinner. So designate this time to spend with your friends or fly in a day early or stay a day later, or maybe room with your friends so that you're available to hang out with your team during the main portions of the conference. Now, if you're doing things without your team, tell them long in advance so that they can make their own plans. One of my favorite things to do at conference was to put together goodie bags. And so I loved giving them to my team and getting them from my upline. And I would do it with my peers too. Now a mistake a lot of leaders and uplines make is that they go overboard the first time. You might have a tendency to give too much and have too high of a price tag the first time you put together goodie bags. Everything that you do for your team is a model for them. And so as hard as it might be for you, keep your goodie bags in check. So let me give you an overview of how I make goodie bags and what I put in them, and then I'll give you some more details for you to run with. Now, I did goodie bags for all of my team members who were going to conference, even if they weren't direct to me. When I was in the field, I didn't have virtual conferences, but if I did, I would have done something for my virtual attendees too. 
So virtual attendees might not have gotten the same thing as in-person attendees because I always included chocolate and it's hard to mail chocolate in the summertime. So I would put together my, my goodie bags before I went to conference. And if I had an assistant, I would have her do it. And then I put them all in my suitcase. And this worked out really well because I would use that space that the, my goodie bags took up to bring back the goodie bags that I got and the swag and the samples that I got from conference. I usually saw most of my team members the first day. And so I would give them their goodie bags right away. And then I carried the rest of them with me in my bag and I would give them to to people as I saw them. Now you wanna keep your goodie bags small so you can fit a lot of them in your conference tote and so that your team can fit them in their conference totes. Make sure your contents of your goodie bags are TSA approved and they can go in people's carry-ons. Someone gave me a bottle of tequila one time and I love that, but I ended up giving it away because I couldn't take it home in my carry-on. Now I put everything in cello bags that I got from Michael's and I included a simple note and then I tied it up with a ribbon. And the note says something like, I'm so glad you're here and I can't wait to celebrate your success. If I had a lot of goodie bags to hand out, I didn't put their names on them because sometimes I would give one to someone as I, as I was passing her on the way to a breakout. And I didn't want to have to stop and go through my bag and read every single name to find hers. And they've, all the goodie bags were the same anyway, so it didn't matter. Now I had a list of attendees in my bag and then as I handed out the goodie bags, I would cross off the list so that I knew who got a bag and who didn't get a bag yet. As my team grew, I gave my leaders additional things right after conference and then throughout the year. So sometimes I would give my leaders something that reminded them of conference. One year we had a keynote speaker who talked about Tigger and Eeyore. And so I sent all of my leaders a little stuffed Tigger. Another year I sent each of my leaders a book that a speaker referenced. I tried to make my goodie bags useful. I usually put in a pack of tissues, a pack of note cards, or a small notebook, and some chocolate. I always added something that went with the theme of the conference, or a team theme, or a team name. So one of my teams was, were called the Rockstars, and two of my teams were called Team Stella, which means star in Italian. So one year I found tiny little shooting star cookie cutters, and I gave everyone one of them. And some of them tied a ribbon to it, and they hung it from their business bags. Now I shop for things all year and when I saw something that I thought would work, I got it and I stashed it away. So I would check the dollar spot at Target, the clearance racks at Staples and Michaels, and then all the stores after the holiday sales. I also looked at things that other direct sellers sold. So for example, sometimes I would get sample size or travel size things from skincare reps. And sometimes I would get things from the leader store in our back office and sometimes I'd pick up things at the current conference for the next year's conference. Now your goodie bags don't have to be actual goodie bags. One of the leaders that I coach decided not to do them one year and she decided to pay for a pizza party for her team instead. If you do team t-shirts, that could be the goodie bag. So if you know someone who has a Cricut or Silhouette machine and you get $4 t-shirts from Michaels and then you pay her in product for her time, this could be a really good option. If you're doing t-shirts, make sure you ask everyone what size she wants. Don't try to guess. It's okay if it's not a surprise that they're getting a t-shirt. The actual design could be a surprise. And if you don't want to do goodie bags at all, then don't. But I will tell you, some of your team members will be a little disappointed. Now, the keys to your goodie bags are to keep them reasonably priced, easy to transport, thoughtful, and useful. 
If you're doing something for everyone, you can give them publicly. If you're doing something for just a few people or something special for just a few people, then do it privately. If you're doing goodie bags for your team members who are watching it virtually, then make them easy to mail. So I would probably do like a $10 Starbucks gift card inside a note card. And I know that's probably more than I would spend on an in-person goodie bag. But by the time I put the bag together and then ship it, I'm probably going to spend about $10 in my time and in my effort in the end anyway. So just make it easy on yourself. Now I mentioned team t-shirts. And if this is your thing, then go ahead and do them. Or you could do something else for your team to wear. So I've seen teams wear big feathery boas or headbands with stars on them. And if you want something more subtle, you could do buttons and have your team's name on them and they could pin them to their bags or their lanyards. Now, make sure that what you're doing is scalable though. So you don't do for one what you can't do for a hundred. And be okay if someone doesn't want to participate. If someone doesn't want to wear a t-shirt, she doesn't have to wear it. It's totally okay. She might not be a t-shirt person. And if she wears it, she might not feel good about herself. And if she doesn't feel good about herself, she's not going to show up as her best self. And therefore, she's not going to get everything she could at a conference. So don't make it about you. Now, if you gave me a boa or a headband or a t-shirt, I would take it, but I probably wouldn't wear it for the entire weekend. And it's not because I'm a jerk or because I don't like you or don't want to be associated with a team. It's just not my thing. Now, I would wear it for the team picture, but I'd probably take it off. And then after I got home, I would wear the t-shirt. And if you gave me a boa or a headband or something like that, I would put it in my office as a reminder of conference. I would appreciate it. I'm just not going to wear it in public. All right, let's talk about your team gatherings. So depending on the size of your team, it might be hard to gather everyone together. Try to have at least two meeting times and spots so you can get some team pictures. So try to do one early on in front of the photo ops if they have them set up, and then do one on awards night when everyone's all dressed up. And if you can wrangle everyone together for other times, then go ahead and take some more. When you take your team pictures, try to do both landscape and portrait orientations so that you can use them for all of your social media. It might be weird for you, but a lot of your team members are going to want individual pictures with you. So when you're picking your times for your team pictures, make sure that you do it during a time that you don't have to rush off to do something else so everyone can get all the pictures that she wants. It might be the only time that you see each other all year long. Encourage people to post their conference pictures on your team Facebook group so that everyone can see them. I like the idea of offering a meetup spot sometime during the conference day so that people can get together and swap notes, share ahas, and just regroup. And you can use your conference text group to let people know where and when to meet. Now, these meetings are super casual, and I wouldn't have an agenda except to share ideas. You want to have your team feel like they can skip it if they have something else to do, because conference is a time for them to find their people and their rhythm. Now, you might want to have a team dinner or do some kind of fun activity together as a team. So consider the size of your group when you're making your plans. You might want to come up with a couple of ideas and have people vote on them or have an aspiring leader on your team plan something for all of you. Keep price and logistics in mind. So going to a restaurant like Panera or Chipotle where everyone can order her own food is a really great idea because people can spend what they want and stay within your budget. Now these might not be your favorite restaurants, but if you have a big group, it's a lot easier for everyone to do a restaurant like this than try to do like separate checks at a big sit down place or try to figure out how to split the bill afterwards. 
if you're meeting at a place like this, it's really not about the place. It's more about all of you getting together. So if you're doing something that you have to make a reservation for or pre-buy tickets, have everyone take care of it long before you go. If you're going to order something for everyone and then they're going to pay you, make sure you give them a deadline to pay you by. You don't want to have to track down someone afterwards. It's awkward and I'm sure you'd rather have conversations about her making money rather than collecting it. Don't feel the need to entertain your team or provide programming for them every minute of conference. I think one good team event is a great idea, even if it's just all of you hanging out together at the dance party on the last night. You'll be able to make connections and have fun together, and that's really what all this is about. Now, sometimes there's going to be perks for leaders at conference, such as reserved seating for you for the main sessions, or maybe a reserved row for your whole team. You might get a reserved table at dinners or special shopping lines at Marketplace. Sometimes there's lounges for you and possibly for your team at the, at the conference center. So you want to take advantage of whatever is offered for you, because if you don't use it, your company might stop offering it. If it's a perk just for you, such as a special checkout line or early entrance into Marketplace, don't feel guilty that your team doesn't get it. They'll get it when they promote. Now, if there are perks that you can share with your team, such as a reserved seating, you'll probably be limited to a specific number of seats, and everyone might not get a special seat. This can be really stressful for you and for them. There are several ways to handle this to eliminate the stress. You can use the perk as an award for your top performers for the year to date or from last conference to this conference. If you run an Aspire and Leader program, you can invite the participants from that to special seating. And if there's extra seats, you can let them invite one of their team members. You can use it as a reward for an incentive program that you run. So for example, everyone who sponsors someone the month before conference maybe gets a seat. If you do a booking blitz for after conference, Every party that's booked for the next 60 days could equal a point, and the top point owners could get seats. You could also do a drawing and give your team entries based on their efforts. Now, if the perk is something like a reserved row for all the main sessions, then you're going to be able to do several different groups of invitations. Be sure that you hand out your invitations well in advance so your team can plan, and it's up to you if you want to let them switch with a friend or give their invitation to one of their team members. Now let's talk about your team members who don't go to conference. If your company has a virtual component, encourage your team members who are attending virtually to create a Facebook chat or a Facebook group so they can interact with each other. And I did a podcast episode on this and it's going to give you some really great tips and ideas for how to handle this. Now one of the mistakes that leaders make is that they try to give their team members constant updates about what's happening at conference. And this takes away from your conference experience and you really can't do the announcements justice. So don't commit to giving updates in real time. If you want to do a short summary here and there on your team page, then great. But if that's going to take away from your experience, then don't do it. I'm sure there's someone in your company who is sharing information in the consultant Facebook group. And in any case, you're going to be home in a few days and you can share everything then. When you get home, you're going to want to do your conference afterglow meeting, and that's when you can really get into the details of everything, and you'll have time to have processed everything, and you'll be able to present all the information in an organized manner so that it's useful for them. All right, we talked about a lot, so let me just do a quick recap about everything that we talked about. You want to make sure that you talk about conference all year so that your team understands the importance of it and the benefit of attending. You want to celebrate your team members who register and set up a communication system so that everyone can get connected before conference and while you're there. 
Let them make their own travel arrangements and consider giving you and them space by not rooming together. Use the ideas that I gave you for goodie bags to springboard from to put something together for your team. Plan a meetup time to take some team pictures, to network, and to have some fun. If you have perks that you can share with your team, decide on how you're going to share them. And plan how you want to share the information with your team who don't go to conference. If you have any questions, let me know, and I'll see you in the next episode. Summer is a great time to dive into using the social selling model to build your direct sales business because it's flexible and you can set up everything before you go on vacation so that it works for you when you don't want to work. Most direct sellers aren't using the social selling model to its full capacity. And up until now, most programs that train this model are either mid or high ticket programs or just focus on social media. And most direct sellers aren't ready to invest thousands or even hundreds of dollars into a program until they have some success under their belt. So they end up investing in social media training that gives them good information about the platform, but doesn't help them build their direct sales business because the program wasn't designed for direct sellers. And this is why I've created a program that gives direct sellers the systems, tools, training, coaching, and support that they need so that they can learn how to work with a social selling model and have it work for them, even when they want to take time off from their business. The program is called Energize, and it's the opposite of everything I don't like about social selling programs. It's month to month, and it's super low ticket. Right now, it's only $7 a month. And I price it that way because I want it to be accessible for all direct sellers. Signing up for this is a no-brainer. And even if you have the busiest summer of your life planned, I encourage you to sign up and jump in when you can because it is just $7. You'll have access to everything as long as you're a member, so it'll be here when you're ready for it. I created this program with the everyday direct seller in mind, the one who works your business in the nooks and crannies alongside everything else that she does. But it's really for all direct sellers because all direct sellers, even if you're using the party model or building a team, need to use all aspects of the social selling model to support everything else that they're doing for their business. The lessons are short and you can binge them or watch them in nooks and crannies. Plus, you'll have access to me so that you can get as much support as you want applying the content. And this summer, I'm hosting Summer School. And in it, you'll get extra support applying the energized content to your business so that by the end of the summer, you'll know how to use the entire social selling model. If you want training and systems to make the most of the social selling model so that it will bring you results even when you want to take time off, And if you want support and coaching to develop consistent habits and be able to apply the system so that you can build a successful direct sales business in the nooks and crannies of your life, then enroll in the Energize Summer School. If you start now, imagine the momentum that you'll build going into the fall. It's just $7 a month and you can cancel anytime. So go to kellynorthcott.com slash energize to learn more and sign up or send me a DM if you have any questions.